Welcome to the Life of a Global Desi. A podcast that connects like-minded desis all over the globe by conforming to stereotypes and breaking them. Introducing Life of a Global Desi interviews. Yes, we bring to you our conversations with remarkable global desis who are doing some truly cool things in life. The idea is to bring fresh perspectives, add diverse voices, and expand the global desi community. On to our episode now. The guest on today's episode is Vikas Plakot, who's a slow travel enthusiast. Vikas identifies as being pretty uncool. He won't get many tattoos in life, but he absolutely believes he'll get his passport well tattooed. Vikas is the co-founder of Just for Kicks, a program that teaches valuable life skills to children from the poorest backgrounds in India through football and sport. After 9 years of building the organization, Vikas recently transitioned out and is in the process of identifying the next big adventure to embark on. Vikas finds comfort in words, something that has led him to be a travel writer for various publications including the National Geographic magazine. Originally from Kerala, Vikas is based in Bangalore but identifies as a citizen of the world. He's also an avid quizzer, a sports fanatic, a food geek, and an amateur home cook. Let's find out more about Vikas. Hi everyone. We have a very special guest with us today. Um everyone, please welcome Vikas Plakot. Hey Vikas. Hey. So good to be here. So good to have you. Quick context for the listeners. Vikas and I were co-fellows between 2011 to 2013 in the Teach for India fellowship. Between the two of us we were teaching about 60 kids and all of these kids were between the ages of 6 to 7 so you can imagine how much fun that was <laughs> and I was teaching English and math, Vikas taught social science and um, social studies and science and we would interchange these classes a lot. I remember the most uh, most of the time we were spending on building pretty detailed lesson plans grading what seemed like endless papers and exams and uh, all of this over numerous cups of chai vada pav and poha in pune <laughs> right vikas and yeah and uh, some tandoori chicken as well and tandoori chicken as well absolutely outside that dhaba near the school uh, on that highway definitely seems like a long time ago our kids have come a long way um, you know the journey was um, both very uh, transformational fulfilling uh, but also you know pretty uh, testing at a lot of times but i think the good thing was i always had vikas as a co-teacher so for me um, that was the only way i could make it through so thank you vikas for that <laughs> likewise yeah awesome so oh, you guys. so yeah that's how i know vikas that but arti I don't think Arthi um no knew Vikas back then but I think she visited our class right Arthi Yeah so I know Vikas by having visited your classroom and it was just so beautiful watching you guys do your thing and um, Yeah attempting to be good teachers <laughs> Yes <laughs> yeah. It was fun your your Yes <laughs> So this is more for like myself and the listeners we're going to have an icebreaker So Vikas here's the question On a scale of 1 to 10 how weird are you and why Oh well um I'd absolutely say 8 uh definitely on the higher end of weird because uh <laughs> as my life choices have indicated uh, 
I don't do the normal stuff. I don't get the joy out of it. I I just get a lot of high from doing things that are out of whack. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I guess I am weird like that uh, in all forms of life. <laughs> I love that. I love that, and I've like I I see that when I follow you on, you know, social media on Facebook. So I have been. actually very closely following you on linkedin and facebook for a while now stalking almost <laughs> yeah, stalking <laughs> almost um so been following your professional journey and um as the only girl on the basketball court or on the football field growing up i absolutely admire what you have done uh with just for kicks so for our listeners can you just tell us What was your journey like uh co-founding Just for Kicks and what it stands for? Sure. Um I guess the idea began in the classroom that we talked about already. Um the te- the kids that Achana and I were teaching. Um working with those kids um uh, we realized very quickly that it's important for us to leave them with things that are beyond academics. Um while I was teaching social science and science those were not long lasting uh you know lessons I could leave them with. but i could definitely leave them with life skills that they could take take forward in their lives right um so that's kind of where the core of the idea comes from um and growing up playing a lot of sport having gone to school purely because i got to play um <laughs> uh, i figured very early that you know sport might be a good idea to try this out and so we uh went to football because i played football but also because it's a team sport it's a global sport people understand the sport and kids love playing football across the world Um so we mixed the two ideas to use football to teach life skills and it worked um it worked in our class as well uh, some of the naughtiest kids did get uh, a lot more invested in the school uh, and we were able to work Absolutely. with them a lot better so it worked in our class and then yeah it's just been an organic journey to be honest from going from my class to more classrooms um more and more teachers wanting the program in their schools um which kept happening um and we were lucky enough to be able to raise the capital to be able to do that um and then from then on it's been a journey of trying to grow that and get it to as many kids as possible um uh, i think by now we've touched about 6000 kids uh, actively all of whom have at least been there for 3 years in the program so yeah and now recently we launched cambodia so we're looking beyond india and looking wow. at it as a global problem that we could uh, play a role in solving yeah i do remember vikas you as being um, a pretty big football fan through through the you know the few minutes that we would get in between classes you would be following the matches pretty uh, rigorously and you know seeing which club won and what's happening and and i think the kids definitely got that passion infused from you mm-hmm. um you know when i saw it obviously in the classroom but also on the field so, mm-hmm. so uh, that was pretty incredible to to get to know you a little better uh what are some identities that you strongly associate with and what were your early influences growing up uh, this could be like which part of the globe or like the places that influenced you books people um you know social economic class that you associate with or you come from right that's an interesting question um i don't think i've spoken much about it out loud as such so it's interesting for me to reflect on it as well but for me growing up um you know geography books were very 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 close to me Um I had like some 12 books that were just atlases of different kinds. Um I had like two different globes in the house and a huge map. Um and my dad used to subscribe to you know like this Sterling Resorts books. Um he was a member of some resort uh, company and they they used to you know have these books which come home but it's all of the affiliated resorts around the world. 
Um, and I would love flipping through it, like literally looking at every single resort on it. Um, you know, I would look at some resort in Athens and I'd be like, oh, someday, you know, uh, how cool would that be? Awesome. So I, I have always had a huge geographical influence around me, uh, which played a lot in my uh, life growing up because I used to quiz a lot, most of it on social science and travel quizzes. Um, so those were big parts of my life growing up. Obviously, sport has been another key lever in uh, who I've been um, because watching uh, not just sport in India, right? Following sport around the world, um, it makes you feel like you have an insight into the whole world. Um, so I think all of it together, I see myself as, I don't know, a global citizen of sorts. Um, I, as much as I love India and the feeling of India, I have the same feeling, to be honest, for most of the countries that I've been to and I've had the uh, opportunity of spending time in. I do not feel... Um, I do not feel like the other countries are lesser or more. Um, I just look at everything as the same and I'm always fascinated by new things and new places. So I think that's my core identity, which kind of plays out into how my professional life plays out or my personal life plays out. Um, but yeah, some of the key influences have always been books, especially geography books, reading also books on geography, like uh, fiction on geography, uh, on travel and stuff like that is what I grew up on. Um, so that's obviously got a huge uh, influence in my life. That's fascinating. And I think I, for me personally, I tapped into that, you know, one thing in your childhood that makes you the person you are, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons we have you on this episode. And we're really excited to share more, um, ask you more about the journey there, uh, geography, travel. And honestly, for me, Vikas, um, you have made this concept of slow travel so um, fashionable now right it's not the age anymore about just being a tourist right being a tourist is very different from being a traveler when we think about it um you know it's not about the number of countries you've been to or 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 um, just getting pictures and selfies at the most um, popular places so tell us a little bit more about why did you decide to start uh, traveling slowly and deliberately and what is slow travel travel and why you know, do you think it's something that you've gravitated towards? Um, I'd say very naturally, I've always gravitated towards slow travel. Um, but obviously, you know, being uh, citizens of the third world, so to say, uh, global south, if I may say, we don't have a powerful passport. Uh, we don't have passport privileges. We don't have uh, economic privileges either. The amount of money we make doesn't go a long way abroad. So these factors obviously play in how people travel in our country, at least uh, as Indians organizations um, and hence all my initial travel thoughts were always while I wanted to spend a long time in places and understanding places it wasn't really an option and I'm assuming it still is not an option for a lot of people so um, but as, as I've you know travel more and more um, I've begun to realize that I would much rather um, know one place in depth than know many more places shallow um, I it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't leave an indelible mark on me when I go to places and I'm just constantly hopping. Um, but I, I mean, I would say there is still a sense of wonder. I don't want to take away from that because I know a lot of people can only be tourists uh, because of the situations that they are in their lives. Um, but yep. I do have those moments where I'm in a very popular place uh, in some part of the world, a big monument, and I'm still having a sense of wonder. But that's not enough for me. Uh, it doesn't uh, give me what I seek from traveling. Um, which is to truly feel uh, I have left a mark on a place and a place has left a mark on me that I can carry with me. So for me, like it's always been something that I've slowly gravitated towards, uh, the idea of spending a long time 
immersing myself in a place and understanding the place without really having a specific agenda of seeing X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, if I can give an example, I was in Sarajevo in Bosnia last year. Um, and I, as part of a long journey I was on. And when I stopped in Sarajevo, I had no plans of when I was starting or leaving. Um, but so I, I ended up spending like eight nights there in Sarajevo. Sarajevo is a really wow. small city. Um, if you actually look up at things to do, you can finish it off in 24 hours. Most of the people in my hostel were coming in and going in 24 hours. It's also not a big party location or anything. So it's not like a huge influx of travelers there. But for me, like going to the same place for the same sunset and watching just different sets of people come there, going to the same coffee shop and having that same Bosnian coffee over and over. Those are things that I look forward to. Um, that to the point that the day I'm leaving, I want the coffee shop owner to feel like, oh, you'll be missed, right? And that makes me feel like there's a part of me in Sarajevo and there's a part of Sarajevo in me. Um, and that's kind of what I seek now because that truly helps me uh, get the maximum out of my traveling experiences. So yeah, that's how I would say I've ended up slow traveling more and more. Got it. That's so helpful. And, and I think gives us an insight in terms of uh, what draws you to slow travel, right? The fact that you can assimilate into a locality or, or just a local culture, you know, super fascinating. How do you pick the places that you go to? I've heard, a, and again, I read your blog, right, where, um, you know, you're in Kazakhstan and Bosnia. You're often picking places which are um, not in the mainstream, right? They're, and you, you're making them mainstream. So how do you pick those? Uh, that's a good question. I think part of it is the influence I told you about earlier, which is like I've grown up um, around maps. So for me, like every place is in my head somewhere um, that I'm kind of connecting to from some part of my childhood. Um, but I think more importantly, I seek stories. That's what I travel for, right? I'm not seeking uh, to get a great Instagram photo or a, a photo that I can frame up in my bedside table. That's not what I'm seeking when I'm traveling. Um, or I'm not relaxing either. And I, I want to be very honest about it. For me, traveling is not about relaxing. For me, it's about stories. And as many stories as I can collect, I feel the experience is complete. Um, which is how I end up picking some of the places I pick because these are stories that are not told. Um, uh, and stories that are told uh, are not the ones that excite me. It's the untold stories that excite me, the ones I get to say once I get experience. Um, and I feel they're truly mine, uh, which is a selfish thought, to be honest, but uh, it does uh, at some level help me uh, or, or gravitate me towards places that are not the most obvious choices of traveling. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the places that have also had the most impact on me. So, uh, you know, naturally I'm doing that more and more. For example, Ethiopia is the planet's favorite destination for me. And I, I don't think a lot of people would say that sentence. Um, wow. But I, I just love the feeling of being there so far out from civilization in what is kind of the cradle of humankind. The very first ancestor came from Ethiopia. So for me, like those kind of uh, places have a, a huge impact. Um, and hence, I keep picking those places more and more. Um, and my experiences feel more complete when I do that. That's gorgeous. That's absolutely gorgeous. So you alluded to storytelling, right? And your travel, uh, right, you know, travel blogger. What what drew you to writing about these stories? And uh, what's your relationship with like, writing as a form of expression and storytelling versus say any other form? Right. Um, I guess, words are my way of communicating everything and anything in my life. Um, I don't really have many other languages I can use uh, that I'm good at. 
um, I naturally tend to speak better than any other way or, or you know, express better through words than any other way. Uh, so for me, if I, if I need to remember the experience myself and put it down somewhere that I can look back at, for me, that is, that is ideally in words, uh, which is how I have uh, gotten into writing. Um, and as a child, I did have a blog that was not uh, writing on travel, but I did write, and Archana probably has read some of the blogs that I used to write when I was in the mm-hmm. fellowship as well. They're more life thoughts, life experiences, some poems, stuff like that. So I've always had an interest in writing. Um, but then my love for travel and my love for writing somewhere found uh, you know, each other. And hence, now I use that form of expression to uh, bring the stories, the untold stories that I talked about, to people and tell them to people. So that's kind of how I have ended up being there. But I wouldn't call myself a blogger uh, anymore, at least. Um, I think I've uh, slowly moved away from that. And uh, I just uh, feel there's a lot more value in writing more expressive pieces, uh, more research-oriented pieces, where I can you know, blend in my love for history, my love for um, general uh, you know, knowledge around the world and stuff like that, and put it into a piece, an article. Uh, which is what I enjoy by doing more of the journalism work that I'm doing now, um, writing for a lot of different magazines like Travel and Leisure or National Geographic. Um, I truly enjoy that. And so for me, that's kind of the the crux of how I've ended up uh, in this space. But yeah, I wouldn't use the word blogger for myself anymore. <laughs> but that's incredible still, right? Like uh, getting till there, getting to even like blog for you know, National Geographic, that sounds so fascinating. So I am personally on a journey to become a better writer. Um, I was curious to know, like, what are some resources that help you become like a better writer? And what was it like blogging or like writing for National Geographic? How do you get there? What, what was your journey? Yeah, how do you even, how do you how even, do you even start? Like, <laughs> ask NGC to, you, to publish one of your pieces of writing? Um, okay, that's a tough one. But if I have to give advice on how to get better at writing, um, I would say just write. That's my honestly only advice. The only way to get better at writing is if you write more and more and have more people reading more and more of what you write. Um, and you can see what people's reactions are to those, uh, how people respond to those, uh, how you feel about it yourself while reading it. Um, and the more you write, the more you get better at it. So that's definitely the best way of learning to write better. Um, but I would also say, you know, learning to storyboard is very critical in being able to be a good writer uh, because you can, it, it's, if you just sit down and simply write um, without thinking about what am I writing, what's the story that I'm trying to say, it doesn't really tell the right story. So first for me, I always storyboard what is the angle that I'm talking about. I don't need to say everything in my pieces. I can say the things that matter the most only. Um, and that brings the story together. So storyboarding is an is an exercise that I would say helps you in becoming a better writer for sure. Got it. I also feel like there's a little bit of um, your experience being a teacher and being in the classroom um, in terms of storyboarding, right? So do you think there's skills that you picked up in the classroom that help you be a, a more expressive writer, more journalistic writer? Yeah, I mean, the classroom has been kind of a lab for me. Uh, and I value that to that extent, right from what I do professionally to, to my life of travel and travel writing, everything's found some sort of inspiration from the classroom and working with the kids and being a teacher, uh, like you said, uh, constantly creating plans, telling stories, you know, trying to see how best to convey the same idea to a kid does make you really better at what story to tell. Um, So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's had an influence on me. 
what is a common myth about slow travel right going back to this idea of immersing in a culture fully and um and, and really soaking it in being being a traveler what is a common myth about slow travel and can you debunk it well um i feel like one of the common myths is the slow travel is the idea of traveling for a long period of time um where you have to be away from your job and life um and you know have a lot of money to be able to do that so people have started looking at like sabbaticals or like long term travels as slow travel um but slow travel doesn't have to be that if you only have 10 days or if you only have 14 days the idea is what do i use those 10 or 14 days to to such that the experience is more complete so for, for me for example if i was to say i have a 14 day window to travel um you have two choices you could go on a trip to five countries um and have multiple experiences in these different countries or you could go to even one country and keep hopping every three days but i would rather do 14 days in just one spot um even if that's just 14 days so the idea is not how much time do you have on your hand it's about how are you utilizing that time uh, and what experiences are you spending that time down to that truly makes you a slow traveler so if you're going to turkey and you're just spending 14 days in istanbul and you're saying i don't want to see the rest of turkey i don't have the time today i appreciate that but these 14 days i'm going to be here and immerse myself truly into istanbul itself i think that's equally slow travel uh, as much as probably spending 4 months in turkey seeing length and breadth of it so yeah it, it's not the duration that matters it's kind of how, what you make of it now that makes uh, you know absolute sense it's about what you're trying to prioritize and seems like in your case you're prioritizing in depth experience versus a breadth of experiences across different countries but i would say arjuna one thing here uh, the key thing that i would say is something that keeps people off from doing it uh, is fomo um, you know people don't I mean, imagine like you're taking a flight halfway across the world um and you've got your visas you've put all that effort into getting those visas you probably are never going to go back to this place again you probably won't find the time to do it given all of those probabilities you want to make the maximum in terms of i want to see everything this country is famous for um but being able to tell yourself that it doesn't matter that i see every single thing um what it matters is what those 14 days leaves me with and what memories i take back and what stories i take back that takes a while to be honest um I, it wasn't something that i could do in the beginning i really really struggled with it too um and it would it would you know drive me crazy as well because i want to have all of those experiences but i also don't like it um so it, it's kind of a conundrum and i know a lot of people feel that uh when they hear the word slow travel they kind of fear this idea of like oh i'm going to miss out um <laughs> but uh, i guess that's a priority uh, that you have to decide for yourself um and get comfortable with doing and once you do it in one place that you know what i'm actually not going to go to this really famous monument or place um uh, and i'm going to see what i feel like you probably will realize you know nothing really changes and you still have as much an experience to take back as you would have had or more um as you would have had if you went to that place so it's i think first i think there's a leap of faith involved before people can truly embrace slow travel absolutely agree because um i i mean while you were talking it took me back to some of the most you know popular world destinations you know i what comes to my mind is eiffel tower right i was as soon as i arrived there i'd i'd been thinking about it all my life and when i came there it was a pretty anticlimactic moment right it was almost like hmm it's interesting uh but well that was that yeah <laughs> I hear you though. Yeah, totally. But, yeah. And and some of the more fun parts were just, you know, chilling in the cafes all day and and really spending a whole day doing nothing, not going to the most fav- favorite place, a uh, most popular places, but just, you know, 
looking at Parisians do their day daily stuff. So yeah, I guess I that <laughs> yeah, you probably know what Parisians do and what Parisian life is like better than uh, the people who just ended up going to Eiffel Tower. They probably have better pictures than you do, but yeah, for sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, because the day I went, it was foggy, rainy, and it was one of the most uh, dreary days to be in Paris. But you know, we we made the most of it. The other angle of it is also to be able to actually have that first um, experience uh, clocked in, I would say, uh, because you can't make this shift unless you actually know what the value of this is. As much as I can say stories, as much as I can, you know, make people feel like, oh, my experiences have been amazing. Unless you actually experience it, you're not going to really realize how amazing it is um, and what the beauty of truly living in a place and embracing that life of the place uh, is. You know, having that coffee shop owner get your WhatsApp number and message you two weeks later, the feeling is something else. But unless you do it, you're not going to know it. So I would say that begin with the place, take that leap of faith, uh, embrace the former and then see where it goes. If you don't like it, honestly, that's okay. That's who you are. Um, that's probably what floats your boat. But at least um, if you want to, then the only way to do it is to do it. Um, and to just literally go in knowing that it's, it's not going to be the best feeling in the beginning as you plan and prepare for this trip uh, because you're constantly going to be thinking about everything that you probably won't have uh, on your Instagram later. But um, I think once you finish that ex uh, experience and come back and have these plenty of people that you're connected with and have these places that you're connected to, um, when you get a cup of coffee in the morning back home, you will realize the value of it. Yeah, I think what you said there is really important, right, in terms of uh, slowing down. And that's a lesson we can take in all spheres of our life. I feel like we have FOMO in um, at work, at, at home, and in, in our relationships. Uh, and I think we're all, almost always trying to multitask, including in our travel. So hopefully what you said there about slow travel will translate and, and can translate in positive ways in other spheres of our, all our lives, right? So thanks for sharing that. That's very, very helpful. Absolutely. It reminds me of the book, uh, The Art of Stillness by Pico Iyer. I'm not sure if you read it, but similar in concept and talks about similar things. He has a TED talk also where he talks about kind of like slow travel. But mm. yeah, just you just reminded like everything you're saying reminded me of him. But um, uh, I had like a question around stories and storytelling and also your experiences. What are your top three favorite places that you have traveled to or slow travel to and what are some of your favorite stories that you can share with us from there it could be really mundane as well but just yeah what are your favorite thing about those places? you know that's that's like the one question you should not ask someone who loves to travel because it's so hard to pick it's like picking um, between your children but, i suppose right? <laughs> yeah it, it, it really is honestly i i end up loving every single place even like where i've had experiences of theft and stuff I, I still love that place um so i i would say i do love most of the places that i've ever been to but having said that i think the experiences that i would keep uh, the closest to my heart um one would be driving around south africa um that wasn't a very typical uh tip, trip for me in the sense that it wasn't very budget it wasn't very rugged it was actually a bit of a luxury it was actually a bit of yeah i'm gonna actually stay in an airbnb you know not you know lug it out in a dorm uh, but at the end of the day, uh, South Africa just blows you away. It's just just uh, magic floating in front of your eyes at every corner. Driving there is just um, unbelievable because every corner you take, it, it could be endless roads, you're driving 100 kilometers on the highway, but you could see zebras along, you could see mountains along sometimes, you could have these beautiful beaches come along all of a sudden. 
there's a continuous change of landscapes, the continuous change of um, what you see uh, in terms of uh, you know, animals to people, to towns, to uh, cities, I think to vineyards and all of these different experiences. I think South Africa definitely is huge for me. Um, but uh, if I have to pick some of the other experiences, I really, in retrospect, uh, I would say, I uh, loved my time in Mongolia, uh, where I walked for 130 kilometers on the steppes. Um, so it was like, uh, I basically found a map, Crazy found a river path gosh. and just walked along the river. <laughs> it was it, it, it was really yeah. very interesting because Mongolia doesn't have like restaurants and uh, you know, hotels or anything like that if you want to leave the city. Uh, it's just plain grass, plain green um, steppes, vast kind of greenlands everywhere. And you can see shepherds with his or her herd, little nomadic homes, uh, once in a while, rivers and streams cutting through in the middle, uh, some goats, uh, maybe sometimes sheep, wow. uh, sometimes cows, and a lot of trees, of course. Uh, and that's Mongolia. So just just actually packing a bag, uh, getting a tent, uh, putting some tuna cans uh, and some pasta, <laughs> and just getting to walk for five days um, on the steppes and meeting interesting people along the way who, who couldn't speak my language, mm. who didn't know what I was doing because I was just in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Uh, it leaves them also bewildered as to what I'm doing there. Um, so it's quite an interesting experience. Uh, I had this one time, uh, I was camping and there was this truck that was trying to uh, go through the steppes instead of the main road. Um, I'm presuming they were giving some supplies to the nearby village or something, mm. but the, the truck got stuck on the the river and I spent like a couple of hours part of the effort of getting the truck out uh, and I got tired so I just camped out there itself and uh, these guys had beers on them so they shared the beers and got my number um, it was really interesting and I had so many such experiences on the route so uh, it was d- tough to be honest uh, to be out without a toilet or a roof or anything for so many days but at the same time it just pushed my mind and body to limits that I didn't know existed so that's an, another experience that uh, mm-hmm. I would say is really special. But and the last one I would say is Ethiopia, like I've already mentioned before, uh, especially the Afar Triangle, which is like the far east of Ethiopia in the north. Um, and that's kind of where uh, it's also the planet's hottest place. Mm-hmm. The average temperatures along the year is the hottest there. It's just a, a great melange of colors, um, volcanoes, uh, but also at the same time, it is the toughest place I've seen people live. Uh, the conditions are so harsh, so difficult. Um, and they walk 13, 14 days with camels to just sell a block of salt, which pays them peanuts at the end of all of that effort. So just to just to be there and have this contrast of incredible beauty that blows you away, but also the reality that it is in this beauty that the worst of conditions lie for human, humankind. Uh, that was just um, a really special experience as well. I think those are three incredible stories and I'm sure there's many, many more. Um, it'll take us more than, you know, half an hour or an hour to definitely decode that. But but hopefully, you know, we can keep reading those through your storytelling and journalism and, and the articles that you write. I guess one of the questions I, I had um, for you is, you know, you very cl- truly mentioned that you are a global citizen. You think of yourself as a global citizen, um, and which is why we have you on the Global Desi podcast. Um, <laughs> what is what is one common thing that you've seen across all the travels, right? Be it in people, be it in places. Um, what is that commonality, right? We always look, especially in the world that we live in today, there's so many differences. People have differences of opinion, views, uh, ideologies. 
through your travels um what is that commonality that you have found or or is there a commonality right i guess um, what have you learned from people when you when you travel yeah well i i i definitely believe humans are the same wherever you go um how our conditions around us obviously change our views on things and our philosophies and ideologies are of course different but um at the core of it we are all the same and i guess for me the one thing that i feel is common around the world is the idea of love uh, i guess people understand that wherever you go express it in different forms of course like you don't see an expression of love in india the way you would see it in france for sure but people want to express nonetheless right everyone has the feeling of love and feels that emotion whether it's for people or for places or for things uh, i'm not saying just like human to human love like with the idea of loving something else um i think that is something as an emotion i i feel is super common anywhere you go in the world um and i think that is something that truly connects us all as people um but the other factor is also uh, the idea of trust right like we live in a community of trust i mean how much ever you look at it um the current virus scenario is an example right it's all on trust uh, you have to trust that somebody else is doing the right thing and i can trust that and i'll also try and do the right thing and hence we'll be safe um and that's something you can see everywhere in the world uh, that people are very willing to trust um you know people are also very trustworthy uh, more often than not i know one bad experience can ruin that for us but more often than not you would notice that people are very trustworthy and very trusting um so i think that's something i've also noticed around the world i've gone that is something common among people from the global south to the north to the east to the west that's lovely i like i love how you laid down um love and trust as the core tenets when you travel i've experienced that as well every time i travel just the universal language right like you you just fall into that as humans it's is beautiful um but i'd like to ask like what's on the flip side of that have you ever had like a bad experience and can you share that with us how bad was it <laughs> there have been many experiences that um i try to erase from my memory at some level um, <laughs> but um i think uh, most of it involves uh some sort of break of trust <laughs> in some sense um uh, but that's reality and that's that's also what i mean by when i say trust like you'll also see people breaking your trust whether you're home or 1000 miles away or 100000 miles away um i mean i probably one of the worst ones was getting uh, sto- getting my wallet stolen in barcelona um in 2016 uh, i lost my driver's license along with it and i was supposed to drive around spain from the next day so i couldn't um drive around spain from the next day and i had to completely change my trip to adjust to having not having a car all of a sudden and only relying on public transport and my original itinerary was very much going into the villages and stuff uh, up in the north of catalonia but i couldn't because i didn't have a car and these are not places with good public transport so i had to just embrace the realities of it and just redo my itinerary and go to new places um uh, where i could actually get easily by public transport and that's what i did but at the same time i do feel bad that all those all the months of planning i did for the, for the places i really wanted to go couldn't happen so that's probably another experiences that has a bit of waste taste in my mouth um but beyond that i think most of it's been small uh, incidents that uh, i think i've already forgotten about oh and <laughs> sounds like just adaptability sounds like a trait of a masterful um uh, slow traveler so kudos to you on that just like flipping the 
uh, trip around. Um, yeah, 100%. To move on, like, what are you curious about right now? What's, um, what, what's keeping you occupied? What's taking your brain space? Well, I mean, honestly, a lot of things, but in the context of what we're speaking. It could be different as well, just saying. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, I, fundamentally, I think I'm in an inflection point in my life mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. Um, I'm looking at uh, venturing out of what I've been doing professionally to doing new things. Um, that's one part of it. Um, I'm hoping to spend more time writing more stories and going to more places that uh, I've not had the opportunity of going in places that I've been slightly more fearful of going as well. Um, I'm trying to embrace that idea um, and actually just take the lead. For example? Uh, so I want to start. Example. I want to go more to the West of Africa. That's something that's been on my mind for a while. Um, I I don't know why I haven't ever thought of it. And somehow that's never just been a place on my radar. But I think I want to bring that onto my radar and actually experience it more and more. Mm. And I think it's a great time to go because the world is yet to find it out. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Uh, it it will be uh, it'll be in its raw form it will be clean it will be amazing um, yeah go before the world ruins it <laughs> in terms of reviews and next place to go you know absolutely i mean i was hearing the same thing about mongolia for example it's the tourism is increasing 6x every year in mongolia oh, so someone man. who went in 2000s to mongolia would have a completely different story to tell you of a country that is completely off the radar um, and has nothing to someone like me who went last year, but I I can only imagine how worse it's going to get for someone else uh, going five Same years thing down. Same with Iceland, right? I mean, I I mean, I've, Iceland suddenly blo- uh, boomed after Bollywood took yeah, it over. Yeah, thanks to Bollywood <laughs> as well. Yeah, Bollywood as well. So yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to spend more time uh, traveling to uh, places that I've not thought about much in the past, um, and places that are less on the radar. Um, and also, to be honest. Um, I'm not a fan of war travel and stuff. I don't think that's a thing to glorify. But at the same time, um, as a storyteller, um, I'm very, very uh, intrigued by the realities of life after war um, in these Mm. places and how people are picking it back up and what it has and how those places feel like and what life is like in those places. Um, So I'm hoping to spend a little bit more time in uh, places that are just um, that, that are out of the war. And, and are trying to pick its ropes back up because I'm sure there are so many lessons for us to learn from there. So that's something that I'm hoping I have the courage to and the drive to to do soon. And that's something that's been keeping me occupied. And I also want to do stories around it. So from my, um, you know, love for writing as well as love for travel, I think that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. Beyond obviously thinking about where next professionally. So, I think that was beautiful just listening to you share your stories. Like I was literally imagining you at all these places and it, it's, it was gorgeous. Um, so we're about at the end of our interview. Um, just to wrap it up, um, what makes you a global desi? How do you identify as one? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, see at the core of it, I was born and brought up in India. Um, I speak like an Indian, I walk like an Indian, I talk like an Indian in many ways. Um, I need my biryani, I need oh, my dosa in Italy. I need. <laughs> yeah, um, I do miss the food um, and I miss the vibrancy of India uh, a lot of times when I'm away. Uh, just the colors and the craziness and the absolute um, yes. chaos that it is. Um, but there's beauty in its chaos. And I guess that's what makes me a global AC because wherever I go, I think I'm taking a part of this chaos and madness and colors and craziness with me. Um, all of those things are actually me as well. 
uh, as much as it's India. So um, yeah, I would say that that's kind of what makes me a, a global desi. I'm very identifiable <laughs> wherever I go as an Indian. Like, not not one person's <laughs> ever guessed that wrong. Uh, you know that I could be from somewhere else. Uh, be it how I look, to how I speak, to how I carry myself. So yeah. <laughs> that's lovely. I totally totally relate to that and totally vibe with that. I'm I as a Hyderabadi, I love my biryani. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you guys do. <laughs> Great, um, Vikas. What else uh, would you like our listeners to know about you? Anything that you think we didn't, um, you know, ask, or or do you do you feel like anything else you want to share about slow travel itself, or or in general? I can't think of anything specific. I I hope I have managed to um, share a little bit of my experience of slow traveling, and hopefully convince some people to slow travel as well, uh, and to pick it on and see where that takes them. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's. It it will feel great uh, once you do it, and uh, you're able to see the fruits of it. That's awesome, and and maybe you can never go back to mainstream traveling, right? So yeah, and and I suppose in a lot of ways it's also sustainable, right? Uh, right? I mean, I guess if you're taking less flights, you're staying at less places. Do you do you agree with that, or have you done any yeah, research that, on that? Yeah, that's that's true, Ashna. I mean, I think that's one thing I probably didn't mention as as such, uh, but. One of the things that happens when you're traveling uh, on a quick tour of a place is you're hopping a lot of flights, uh, and you're taking a lot of transport, um, and you're trying to do a lot of things. So, which means you're obviously one spending a lot more resources and money, uh, but you're also obviously leaving a higher carbon footprint. Mm. And honestly, as travelers, I find it a little bit hypocritical of talking about carbon footprint because I'm still traveling. But nonetheless, I think we all try to do the best we can and reduce it as much as we can. And I think uh, slow traveling gives you the time to take the the best mode of transport um, that's economically feasible, that's conscious, uh, and that's sustainable. Um, as well as it lets you ensure that um, you're able to understand a place and its culture and its life, and kind of you adhere to that. Versus trying to force fit your style into a place uh, which might not be sustainable for that place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which happens a lot with travelers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Tourists, especially who are quickly hopping in and out, they don't have the time to understand that this is not something that is uh, agreeable in this culture or the style in this culture. So, you have to also change your ways um, here. Um, but I'm guessing, for example, a slow traveler in Amsterdam probably has ridden more cycles in Amsterdam than someone who just came and went. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, uh, that's the way of life, and you have to embrace that. And you can only do that if you're traveling slow. So I think there's all of these uh, advantages from a sustainability point of view as well and uh, your contribution to the environment that makes slow travel even more uh, alluring if it's not already. Awesome. So on on that note, um, everyone start taking sabbaticals and booking (laughs) month-long trips all over the world. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah sure. I vouch for sabbaticals for sure. Yeah. Uh, took one last year. <laughs> Great. That's, yeah, the best three months of my life. Yeah, I, I feel like people really undervalue the the you know the importance of uh, I guess just taking some time off right you could do whatever you want and, and we just feel like we have to constantly keep working and continuously keep working we do tie our identities a lot to work right and and so these are ways in which we can try and bust some of those myths and you know change that narrative so yeah more part to you Vikas uh, where can people find you on social media and how can they get in touch with you oh well yeah this is a plug plug in yeah, time is it absolutely. <laughs> because, um, we, we want more people to find out about all the cool things that you do on you know <laughs> so I'm world. mostly on Twitter and Instagram um, on Instagram you'll find a lot more of my travel stories as well as my like writing and words uh, right. I'm on beyondthewall.travel on Instagram mm-hmm. and on Twitter I'm at the sixth king um, but 
What's the Follow story there, behind you... that name? Uh, I so would intrigued. rather not put it out on a public podcast, to be Ooh, honest. Okay. <laughs> right. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll take it offline. It's quite, yeah. quite an embarrassing one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, follow me on Twitter if you're willing to uh, listen to my verbal vomit on politics and everything else as well and a lot of sports. So uh, much less travel on it though. Got it. That's amazing. And uh, we'll make sure to uh, link uh, both Instagram and Twitter on our show notes. Uh, but Vikas, thank you so much for sharing all of these cool stories. I feel like with you uh, in this, at least in this, you know, 30, 40 minute conversation, both Aarti and I, and hopefully a lot of listeners have virtually traveled and experienced what you experienced at the core of, you know, your slow travel and your, and your, and your stories. I definitely felt like I was part of some of those. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me, Arshna Arti. This has been a pleasure for me to also relive some of my experiences. Yay. So, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I feel like writing and talking about your travel takes you back to the travel, right? So, which is, I guess, part of also why we write. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Vikas, for sharing Absolutely. this. Um, thank you. And to our listeners, uh, hope you enjoyed that. And uh, keep listening and stay curious. <laughs> All right, peace out. Hey, Daisies. If you enjoyed this episode, then please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening to podcasts. And drop us a note on lifeofaglobaldesi at gmail.com or our social media to keep up this awesome dialogue. Oh, and don't forget to give us a five-star rating. You're so cheap. Why are you asking them for (laughs) five-star ratings? Well, I always ask for the rating I want, not the one I have. You know, like dress for the job you want, not the one you have. That's like the stupidest thing I've heard all day. Arti, you're so judgmental. You need to stop being judgmental. I just think you can't be so demanding. That's all. You ask for what you want. (laughs) Bleh.